the breath of grace, perseverance. My text is Isaiah chapter 51 and verse 6. The prophet Isaiah chapter 51 and verse 6. Please stand with me in honor of the word of God. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look upon the earth beneath. For the heavens shall vanish away like smoke and the earth shall wax old like a garment. And they that dwell therein shall die in like manner. But my salvation shall be forever and my righteousness shall not be abolished. Let us pray. Our Father, please illuminate us by the power of your Holy Spirit and conform us to the image of your dear Son as we have this look into your word. Feed us till we want no more. We pray in your son's name, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, even though we have been knocked about in this life, there may still be a little idealism left in all of us. I'm afraid this idealism could hurt us in many ways if we're not careful. Of course... Imagining the world we would like is comforting, but we will have to return to reality sooner or later. We can all remember how devastating it was to discover that what we had always believed about someone or something was not true or even close. Maybe it was someone that we looked up to who turned out to have some wicked skeletons in their closets. Perhaps it was a relationship that seemed promising and exciting initially, which turned out to be abusive and just plain crazy. Maybe it was a career path that promised a meaningful contribution to society and personal comfort. Still, it turned out to be a bureaucratic nightmare with endless red tape, nepotism, and stagnation, with very little money at the end of the month. <laughs> we always start with great dreams, only to discover that most things in this sinful world are overrated. Are there any answers? Is there any comfort? Yes, there is. There is complete and overwhelming comfort. If we prove to be authentic believers in Christ, there is something stable and firm that relates to you and me. There is true comfort in our often bizarre and changing times. We find comfort in our text. I, I, I will reread it. <laughs> Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look upon the earth beneath. For the heavens shall vanish away like smoke. And the earth shall wax all like a garment, and they that dwell therein shall die in like manner. But my salvation shall be forever, and my righteousness 
shall not be abolished. Isaiah chapter 51 discusses the Babylonian exile of the Hebrew people. The background is that the Babylonians had invaded and taken away all the people of Judah and Israel into captivity in Babylon. The land of Judah and Israel was destroyed. The city of Jerusalem was in ruins and there was nothing left. The land was empty. God punished the people for their sin and rebellion. However, there were also God-fearing people among the exiles who were affected by the heavy load or the heavy hand of the Lord. They wondered uh, if they would ever see a turning around of these developments. They worried if there would ever be a positive outcome from this misery. Then the Lord, through this prophet Isaiah, comforted the people. The entire second half of Isaiah's prophecy is devoted to giving this comfort. It starts with Isaiah chapter 40. There you read the famous words in verse 1. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Then all the chapters after Isaiah 40, until the end of the book, are filled with beautiful words of comfort. Not only for God's people during the days of the exile, but comfort is supplied for all God's people for all ages and places. The powerful themes of this prophecy are echoed in Psalm 102, verses 25 to 27, and Hebrews chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. These themes are affirmed throughout the entire Holy Scripture. We are disturbed by that which is transient and temporary, or temporal, but we are encouraged by that which is permanent and eternal. Our text shows a beautiful comparison between the sinful world and humanity on the one hand, and God, his righteousness, and his salvation on the other. So Isaiah asked the people to compare these two and draw conclusions. This verse challenges us to face the reality of life. It is straightforward, far more detailed than many would expect. It teaches at least two important facts that should bring some semblance of sobriety to our lives and wean us from the intoxication of the cultural contaminants and perversions around us. It should open our eyes to what matters in life. The contrast is abundantly clear concerning the vanity of life without reference to God and the life of victorious perseverance in communion with God. So, we learn about sin and inevitable doom and we learn about salvation and inconceivable destiny. Let's do a bit of comparative analysis between the two. Number one, sin and inevitable doom. <laughs> Listen, folks, everything and everyone subject to the curse of sin has an expiration date. We all do. <laughs> the first part of the verse, lift up your eyes to the heavens and look upon the earth beneath. For the heavens shall vanish away like smoke and the earth shall wax all like a garment, and they that dwell therein shall 
die in like manner. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, we are looking at the things in this life that will pass away. This theme in our text concerning the temporary status of this world is not novel. It's not a novel or, or insignificant idea. This is something that the Holy Scriptures repeatedly brings to our attention. For example, it is written in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 17, And the world passeth away, and the loss thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The Apostle John was not teaching that our obedience merits eternal life. Only the perfect obedience of our Lord Jesus is worthy of eternal life. But the apostle was contrasting the fate of the world, and by implication, those who love the world, with the destiny of those who love God. A failure to pay attention to this may yield eternally adverse consequences. Consider Isaiah chapter 34 and verse 4. And all the hosts of heaven shall be dissolved, and the heavens shall be Roll together as a scroll, and all their horse shall fall down as, as the leaf falleth off from the vine and as a fallen fig from the fig tree. God's judgments will extend to every part of his created order, even outer space. The hosts of heaven are associated with the pagan pantheon. Hmm? The old world will give way to the new. This vision of the demise of the ancient pagan religious and political structures will make way for God's kingdom in the new age, well, um, merges well, with the, the uh, revelation of the final replacement of the original con cosmos with the new. The message was that the pagan pantheons, which appear so enduring, will lose their political ascendancy. Another example is 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the, the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. The apostle Peter had in mind the time of divine eschatological intervention and judgment when the Lord would destroy all his enemies and reward his people in one day. The apostle uses a metaphor from our Lord Jesus' teaching in, Matthew, um, in Luke chapter 2, verses 39 um, to 40, that conveys the unexpectedness of the event. What shall vanish and be gone? What? Everything we fix our eyes upon in this world will someday be gone. Everything in the firmament above, everything on the earth, and all the inhabitants shall be gone. Listen, our God has demonstrated his fatherly providence and goodness in preserving this world up to our day. We may see how God regulates everything in heaven and upon earth wisely. He has protected his creation. He has sustained its foundations to the glory of his matchless name. However, our God will only do this until the time he has appointed because the created universe, heaven and earth, are temporal. Just as it had a beginning, it also has an end. It is not linear. It, 
Well, it is linear. It is not cyclical. God's eternal decree has purpose that the heavens shall disappear like smoke. Yes, all we see in our solar system and beyond, the sun, the moon, and stars, and clouds, the atmosphere, and the rest of the universe, shall all vanish. <laughs> the twinkling stars shall disappear from the heaven. The sun shall no longer shine, and the moon shall no longer give any light. The earth that always seems to endure shall wear, wear out like an old garment. <laughs> the world shall deteriorate like an old robe with tatters and tears. It shall be cut off. It shall crumble. The earth that we have always imagined to endure is destined to, fail this, to, to face destruction, entropy, and dissolution in its current form. All the elements shall dissolve in the furnace of God's indignation. The earth will fade away like a leaf. They that dwell on the earth shall die in like manner. That means that they also disappear like smoke. James chapter 4 and verse 14 says, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life, it is even a vapor that appeareth for a little while and then vanisheth away. James rebuked those who were arrogantly disregarding divine sovereignty by living their lives and making plans without regard for the providence of God. Look around you at what is happening. People are dying all around us. <laughs> I woke up this morning to our newspaper online and just watched a little 11-year-old girl uh, who got, uh, I think yesterday, got mauled by this bulldog. And she had just walked walking at the neighbors with her little brother. She saw the bulldog coming. She's 11. And she sent her little brother running and stood there and was torn apart. <laughs> mm. Mm. Yes, people are dying all around us. One day it is your turn, the next it's mine. We all slow down, age gracefully, hopefully, and watch our peers drop out of the ranks. We see how everything changes. A new gen generation arises with great pride, but shall vanish until the Lord returns. The psalmist has reminded us, where is this? Psalm 103, verses 14 to 16. For he knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone. And the place thereof shall know it no more. God, our creator, knows us infinitely better than we know ourselves. We are dust. God used the dust of the ground and the breath of his nostrils to form Adam. Humans have special ties to God because they are animated by God's breath. However, because they are created from the dust, people also are connected to the other creatures on earth. As dust, human beings are frail creatures. The grass is a compelling analogy of, of, of man's life. Grass comes up quickly. It flourishes, but soon withers under the scorching sun. Human life is is similarly vulnerable and fleeting. History has unfolded how 
armies and conquerors of the past are gone together with their empires, grounded in dust and oblivion. What is left of them? We are left with some ruins, some stones scattered around where they used to live. Their cities are laid waste. Bats, rats, and mongooses now live in the ruins of their palaces and fortifications. Men who walk in pride concerning that the strength and beauty of their bodies, you know, they're all buff, will have to accept the reality that their bodies will be dissolved into a few gases and mineral substances. All the things we see in this life, the people we know, and the material matter around us will vanish. Psalm 102, verses 25 to 28 says, Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax all like a garment. As a vesture shall thou change them, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. The children of thy servants shall continue, and their seed shall be established before thee. Only a fool invests in obsolute, obsolete uh, technology. Only a fool invests in 8-track tapes and cassette tapes. PDAs, a VCR, and VHS tapes. Old film cameras. Only a fool invests in encyclopedias when you can just Google the thing. Only a fool invests in fax machines. You know, <laughs> these things should be evident to most. What is often not so apparent to most people is that everything else in this world cursed by sin is overrated, temporary, fading, and carrying built-in obsolescence. When Christ is ignored, relationships are filled with anxiety and end in ruin. When Christ is ignored, a lifetime of achievement becomes a footnote of futility. When Christ is ignored, groups that once worked together so well now look like attempts at herding cats. When Christ is ignored, even our noble initiatives are tainted with evil motives. When Christ is ignored, all of our living is in vain. All sinful things subject to the curse of sin are destined to face an expiration date. But secondly, salvation, an inconceivable destiny. Everything and everyone sanctified by God's grace are promised an eternal destiny. The second half of the verse says, but my salvation shall be forever, and my righteousness shall not be abolished. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, it is still not the final word when we say everything around us will decay and disappear. <laughs> this is because our God is from everlasting to everlasting. He does not decay. He has no expiration date. Everyone who belongs to our God will remain forever. They will persevere. That is what we just saw from Psalm 102, verse 27 and 28. But thou art the same, 
and thy years shall have no end. The children of thy servants shall continue, <laughs> and their seed shall be established before thee. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is not going anywhere. And neither are those who truly belong to him. They will not be moved. The true and living God is eternal. And God cannot lose anything or anyone that belongs to him. That is a great comfort. <laughs> the unexplainable and soaring high comfort. The unfathomable depth that God is eternal. Everyone who belongs to God shall be with him forever in the most glorious existence possible. <laughs> the text explains that the heavens shall blow away like smoke, the earth shall be, become old and worn out and um, uh, well, easily ripped apart like a rotting piece of cloth, and the wicked shall die. Then comes the conjunction, but <laughs> a contrast appears. Just when we are about to throw in the towel, reading from the beginning of the verse, just when we are about to curse in despair, just when we are about to conclude that all is vanity, the text says, but, <laughs> I love that, but my salvation shall be forever and my righteousness shall not be abolished. <laughs> the message here is the unchangeableness of God. A characteristic that the writer of Hebrews 1.12 ascribes to the Son of God. Everything in this world is, is in flux and deterioration. And everything passes away except the Creator. The hymn writer, Henry F. Light, captures the thought when he wrote, Change and decay in all around I see. O oh, thou that changest not, abide with me. <laughs> Although our eternal God has created heaven and earth, the created order does not share his eternity. They are and will remain temporal. Like the mountains, the heavens and certain parts of the earth seem to exhibit timelessness. Yet they are all subject to change. Everything our creator has molded with his almighty hands bears the mark of time. The prophet Isaiah uses the illustration of a garment that changes, gradually deteriorates, and, and, and is eventually rolled up and discarded. Our creator lives forever. He's the same because his years never end. <laughs> his years never end since they never began. <laughs> Our God has no beginning and no end. Indeed, this can never be said of angels who may live eternally in the presence of God. Their origin dates from the moment they were created. You know, these themes are cited in Psalm 102 and Hebrews 1, where it is taught what the distinguishing characteristics of our God are. He is creator. He is almighty. He is unchangeable. He is eternal. That is so wonderful. Here we see God's providential care in the care he shows for the natural world, but far above that, look at God's care for all of his elect. He saves them. 
and then admonishes them that they should not live in faithless fear when everything unravels and life is fading. His assurance is that his salvation shall be forever and his righteousness shall not be abolished. It will stay forever. What does that mean? It means that many matters will change, well, many matters will remain in all the, the changes of life. In worship, it is always helpful to list them, to count these blessings. Our God himself remains the same. Psalm 90, the Psalm of Moses, verse 2, from everlasting to everlasting, <laughs> thou art God. Here Moses affirmed the eternal existence of God while God's creative initiative brought the whole universe into existence, God was always there. <laughs> what else? Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ the same what? Yesterday, today, and forever. Even though human leaders pass from the scene, our Lord Jesus Christ is the same as in the past when he spoke uh, through prophets. He's the same when God summons us today to enter his rest through faith. He's the same forever, for he's the strong anchor amid sufferings and uncertainties. God is immutable. He cannot change. God is always the same in love, the same in faithfulness and power and mercy concerning his people. He exercises the same care and compassion for the patriarchs as he did for the prophets. He was the same for the apostles and all God's people who follow. Whether we're speaking about, of, of his personal righteousness, the righteousness he requires, or the righteousness the Lord Jesus merited for sinners, God's righteousness remains the same forever. <laughs> Let us praise God that it is eternal righteousness that our Lord Jesus has earned for his people. It is written in, in, in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 13. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. We can also affirm that God's salvation remains the same. It will never be diminished or abandoned. It will never be revoked. <laughs> Hallelujah. It will never be removed from all who have trusted in it. Christ Jesus is the originator and completer of this great salvation. It is written in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 9. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. This does not mean that our Lord Jesus finally became sinless, but that he finished the course of suffering set before him, including his sacrificial death. Having done this, he, he was then perfect or completely qualified to serve as a unique, effective high priest. Our Lord Jesus lives forever to intercede as our high priest. This salvation shall spread internationally and shall transcend all generations. We must never expect any other salvation for God's work may be imitated but never duplicated. This salvation is based solely on the merits of Christ and his eternal and, it, and is eternal to the glory of his name. This glorious salvation 
It's by grace alone, through faith alone, and in Christ alone. We must never look for any other salvation. The, sal- the saving work of Christ shall remain forever, and its consequences shall be to all eternity. Beloved, we can also be confident that the bride of Christ shall remain forever. <laughs> If his salvation shall remain forever and his righteousness shall not be abolished, then that has staggering consequences for his church. His church will remain forever as well. And by the church, I'm referring to the faithful people of God, the elect of God, and those who are genuinely saved from their sins. We do not refer to any particular grouping or expression of biblical Christianity. We are focused on the fact that God's church is the beneficiary of his free grace. The church's foundation is the everlasting righteousness of God. Therefore, the church must exist forever. (laughs) The stability of the church is rooted and grounded in God. It is impossible and inconceivable that the church shall fail or be overcome. In this world, despotic tyrants throughout history have been enabled to overcome segments of the church. Parts of the church have been conquered. But God holds these wicked rulers in check and derision, and his church still stands firm. It it keeps marching on. All of his martyred people and those whose names were slandered shall appear with Christ in the new heavens and the new earth. You know, at times, the Lord has purpose for some of his His children, well, he has purposed that some of his children glorify his name by being the objects of much affliction. They were chosen to show that God still upholds his church through sufferings and even through death. His church shall stand. What patience, what forbearance, what love, what goodness the Lord has displayed to his fickle children who so often murmur and forsake him. (laughs) His church would have ceased long ago if it were not for the Lord's tender mercies and loving kindness. God's salvation by which he protects his church is eternal, which is why his church shall persevere with him, being preserved by him. Beloved, we can count on the truth that God's word will also endure. Yes, yes. The prophet Isaiah declared this. He wrote in Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 8, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. The prophet confidently affirmed that despite the severity of the judgment of exile, the promises of God could be trusted. As far back as Moses, the Lord had promised to return his people and his word would not be broken. The Apostle Peter later equated this reliable word about restoration from exile with the word that Christians preach, 1 Peter 1, 24 and 25, the announcement of salvation through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. (laughs) All the oracles of God, the entirety of his holy revelation shall surely come to pass. God's word is truth, And it shall stand for all eternity. It does not matter what man does or what assaults are undertaken against God's word. His word is unimpeachable and unshakable. 
God cannot lie. His word has an everlasting impact. There is no other gospel. Not one jot or tittle of God's word shall fall to the ground. Our generation tells us that truth is subjective and that truth, uh, uh, well, and that truth is subject to contextual variety and that, uh, and that there are no absolutes. We are told that what is true for some does not have to be true for others. This view has consistently been weighed in the balance and found wanting. It's pure deception. Such error and fraud shall vanish sooner or later, but God's truth remains. Truth is the steady light of heaven. This truth has survived the ages. It, it has stood the test of time. What was true in the days before Noah is still valid. The principles of God's moral law are still valid. They're always true. The truth of man's sin problem is abundantly clear in the Old Testament and the New. The truth that man needs a savior was always known since the days of Adam and Eve. Had God's truth failed to, to point to a pardon? <laughs> Had God's truth regarding prophecies failed? His truth would have died like vanity and dissolved. <laughs> but now all that God has spoken shall always be done. It is true. God's truth stands forever. In this life, where there is so much deceit, there is something genuine, honest, and applicable to our life, the truth of God. I am pleased to affirm that the life God gives will also last forever. His people shall live with him forever. It is written in John chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Our Lord Jesus contrasted temporary satisfaction with eternal satisfaction. <laughs> Teaching that all earthly pleasures, even if legitimate, will fade. Then, expressing the divine origin of this blessing of salvation, our Lord emphasized its great abundance, endless duration, and surpassing quality. Beloved, we may also celebrate that God's faithfulness <laughs> will last forever. Yes. The Lord God's promise to his people in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6, is abundantly clear. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Those tempted by discontentment and the love of money are people who seek their security in financial resources. But God's promise gives greater confidence. Deuteronomy 31, 6, He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. <laughs> our confident response reaffirms that the Lord, our helper, sets us free from all kinds of fear. In, in, in the second phrase, of Matthew 28, 20. 
our Lord said, and lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Our Lord did not lay the responsibility to disciple the world on his disciples without promising his presence in their endeavor. We are confident that we are not deserted, even in the most discouraging moments, because he is with us always. Our Lord's final words in Matthew's gospel <laughs> draw attention to the great hope of all who follow Christ. He has inaugurated the kingdom and sent us to spread it far and wide. Yet the greater goal in which we place all our hope is that the kingdom will bring an end to this age and usher in the fullness of Christ's glorious kingdom when he returns. I don't know about you, but I'm satisfied to lean on everlasting arms. <laughs> you see, when darkness seems to hide his face, <laughs> I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. We generally don't get in trouble for uh, the, the first part of that. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. We get into a lot of trouble when we say, all other ground is sinking sand. But they cannot be separated. You see, I will reject what is fickle. For I have found that which is firm. I will reject that which is sensational. For I have found the one with substance. I will reject that which is fashionable when it goes against the path of fidelity. I will reject any selling out to the hypocrisy of outward appearances and look for the holiness of inward piety. I will reject the applause of men if it comes into conflict with the approval and approbation of God, hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, I must close on this note. When we worship, or when we in worship shall fade, well, shall consider that this life and the things of this world shall fade away quickly, and ponder that nothing in this world will remain, and also that only God and his salvation, his righteousness, his word, his future remains. How should then our attitude be towards all this? What shall we live for? <laughs> what should we work for? What should be the aim of our lives? What are people concerned about when we look around? whether in my country or yours. <laughs> what are people concerned about? Is it not their future in this life only? Hmm? Are they not focused on their immediate future and their prospects in the same? <laughs> the tragic reality is that it will all prove to be emptiness. If people live for this life only, they will perish with it. Every one of them. History has chronicled what happened to the builders of the, um, the great pyramids in Egypt. I haven't been there. I hope to see them someday. 
The remnants of their immense structures are still present, but all that work was in vain. <laughs> the great generals listed as world conquerors set up massive empires in vain. <laughs> These have all crumbled. <laughs> These people live for this world like many still do. What about lasting things? What about the lasting things? What place does that take in people's considerations? Generally, nothing. They do not believe God. They've rebelled against him. They defy him to his face and transgress his eternal commandments. What is the result? What is the result? They live in vain. That is the tragic and profound Profoundly sinful reality of man. Man lives in emptiness. He lives for what will amount to nothing. He perishes under the weight of his sin because he cannot undo God's righteousness and moral law. They are eternal. Essentially, we have only two options in life. Either we live for nothing or live for God. Hmm? We live in vain or we live in communion with God? The question is, how are our lives? What are we living for? <laughs> our dreadful inclination and constant temptation uh, to live for this world, for self, for honor, and the moment. However, <laughs> if we do not get our identity, significance, and security in Christ alone, we are idolaters and on a trajectory to eternal perdition. Our only hope is to trust the work of Christ alone in his active and passive obedience. The good news is that the Lord Jesus vicariously lived the perfect life and imputes his righteousness to the account of sinners like us. He also died the ultimate death on Calvary and imputed or credited all our wretchedness to his account. This is the best news in the whole world. Our main business in life is to confirm that the work of Christ has been done in us. We do this by repenting of our sins and placing our faith in Christ alone. We then live in obedience to Christ, not to earn our standing, but to prove our love and gratitude to him. The call of this holy text it's for us to live for the one who said in Malachi 3.6, I am the Lord. I changed that. As C.H. Spurgeon puts it, quote, it is well for us that amidst all the variableness of life, there is one whom change cannot affect. Those whose hearts are one whose heart can never alter and on whose brow mutability can make no furrows. <laughs> to that, I must say hallelujah. <laughs> hallelujah. Let me read it again. Spurgeon said what? It is well for us that amid all the variableness of life, there is one <laughs> whom change cannot affect. One whose heart can never alter and on whose brow mutability can make no furrows. Isn't it comforting to know that with God there is no variableness 
neither shadow of turning. Isn't it good to know that whatever God's attributes were of old, they're still the same. Isn't it good to know that God's power and wisdom remain the same? Isn't it good to know that God's justice and truth remain the same? Isn't it good to know that God's grace and mercy are new every morning? Isn't it good to know that God will always be a refuge of his people, their stronghold in the day of trouble? Isn't it good to know that God is unchanged in his love? He has loved his people with an everlasting love. Isn't it good to know that he he loves us now as much as he ever did? Isn't it good to know when all earthly things have melted in the last conflagration? His love will still bear the dew of its youth. Why would I gamble? Why would I gamble with that which is fleeting and transient? Why am I still looking for another when I've found in Jesus the lover of my soul? I have an anchor in Jesus, and my anchor holds. William Clark Martin wrote, Though the angry surges roll, On my tempest-driven soul, I am peaceful, for I know, wildly though the winds may blow, I have an anchor, safe and sure, that can evermore endure. And it holds, my anchor holds, blow your wildest then, O gale, on my bark, so small and frail, by his grace, (laughs) I shall not fail. For my anchor holds, my anchor holds. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being our light and our salvation and granting us the assurances well, the assurance and confidence to declare it boldly. Thank you, Father, for being our joy, our comfort, our guide, our teacher, and in every sense, our light. You are light within, light around, light reflected from us, and light to be revealed to us. Oh, Father, we're so happy that you do not merely give light, you are our light. You do not merely give salvation, you are our salvation. We thank you, Father, that all who by faith have laid hold upon you have all covenant blessings in their possession. O Father, hear our prayer. Grant us the grace to keep our eyes fixed upon our Lord Jesus, in whose matchless name we pray. Amen.